North Idaho News of the Week is brought to you in part by Evergreen Realty, commercial and residential property listings. Online at evergreen-realty.com. You've tuned in to the North Idaho News of the Week here on 88.5 KRFY. This is Panhandle Community Radio. I'm Jack Peterson uh, uh, for the first News of the Week of 2024, and I'm here with Chris Bessler. Good, good morning, Chris. Good morning, Jack. And we are joined by Zach Hagedon. And good morning to you, Zach. Good morning. He's the uh, the editor of the Sandpoint Reader here in the town of Sandpoint. The city of Sandpoint, that is. Uh, and I guess we should start things off with a rundown of what's been going on these, actually, these last couple weeks. Uh, there's been, we didn't have a brand new show last week, so might as well We did cover the, that. the year in review. Yeah. Um, we rebroadcast it from the Wednesday show, actually. So. Yes. Um, there, is, there has been, we did mention this on our show uh from a couple weeks ago, but there has been a new code of conduct at the Bonner County Board of Commissioners uh, for their meetings since December 19th. Uh, however, they met this week and the general mood at meetings remains, I would say, tense uh, between the commissioners. No, um, no great change there in terms of the, the way that the Bonner County Commission is handling business. Uh, the Sandpoint City Council met and new city officers were sworn in at outgoing mayor uh shelby ronstad's last uh last official meeting and last act as uh as mayor as, as a city official uh new mayor jeremy grimm was sworn in as well as councilors kyle schreiber and pam duquette uh the city administrator jennifer stapleton also resigned i think at the end of that meeting uh she had announced her resignation on december 21st i believe and has officially ended her term as city administrator uh and looking ahead the idaho legislature is set to meet on january 8th which is this coming monday in just a couple days um what else is on the on the news the, the news beat uh, so a couple of things we can swing around and talk about is that um, there's a a new um, clinic, health clinic at uh, Bonner General Health. It's mm. worth a mention. Internal Medicine Associates is opening a new clinic that's associated with uh, Bonner General Health. And um, a final... Uh, plan for over-the-snow vehicle routes across the uh, Sandpoint, Bonners Ferry, and Priest River Ranger districts has been approved by the Forest Service. It's been in the works for actually for a few years. Uh, that would affect people that use the backcountry in the winter, uh, and uh, we can talk a little bit more about that. Plus, they did find the body of um, of a man who they believe was the missing monk at the Stavosti Abbey, Mm-hmm. Uh, near Newport, uh, his name was Dadul Namyal, and um, uh, a body was found in a pond 
mm-hmm. right by the Abbey. The, he was reported missing in November 8th. There was a big search for him. Uh, so this uh, will bring closure to that, apparently. Yeah. Um, did you? I didn't read that story. Was there any news about what did? Do they think he just slipped and fell in? And uh, they they mm-hmm. they really don't know. They're yeah. doing an investigation and there's uh, performing an, autop- an autopsy. Yeah. So uh, okay. there might be a little bit more about that later. But um, I think that it's, it, it, he was wearing the clothing. The mm-hmm. body had the clothing that he was last seen wearing. So it's pretty sure it was him. Right. Um, well, uh, Zach is here in his big article this week in the uh, reader, to- on right on page, well, technically on page five, but right as you open the paper, uh, we was the, or on page four, but the uh, new city officers were sworn in and the uh, meeting, uh, the, the last meeting of uh, the old outgoing city council took place. Um, were, did you go in person or just attend online? Zach? I attended online. Uh, mm-hmm. Ben Olson, our publisher, was there in person taking the photos, ah. and mm-hmm. so he he reported in the office to me about what how the mood was, mm-hmm. and he said it was a little bit tense. There was some interesting energy in the room, and mm-hmm. I think that's always the case when you have a change in in city leadership. But this particular meeting, I think, was especially fraught mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for some individuals. Well, the the new mayor, Jeremy Grimm. It, during his campaign, he had a lot of, of um, criticisms of the current city administration, at least the way the city's being run. Right. Yeah, and and of course he was vowing pretty much to get rid of the city administrator position. Um, or yeah, uh, he, he he was very much vowing yeah. to get rid of that position. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, and so now that's actually happened. He didn't have to do anything because Jennifer right. decided to resign. So in a, in a letter to. I guess city hall, um, you know, city staff, and, I, and I'm assuming councilors as well, and the mayor, uh, Jennifer Stapleton, made them aware on December 21st that she would step down effective at the end of the business day on January 3rd, which was, you know, that last, that most recent meeting. Um, and in her letter, you know, she, she was pretty blunt about the fact that she wasn't doing this because she wanted to. Um, I think she, she wrote that she was making this decision with much sadness and specifically pointed to the fact that the incoming mayor, Jeremy Grimm, had promised to do everything he could to get rid of that position, if not the individual who filled it. Mm-hmm. Um, and while she noted that it would take a, a majority of the council to actually do that, um, and there's some doubt about whether there would be that majority, she elected to just resign mm-hmm. uh, in order to avoid making that a, a point of controversy and to take away from the city pursuing its normal business. So that was her own decision to leave. Um and she did. She did leave that position effective at the end of that meeting. Although she did sort of duck out of the meeting uh, fairly early. She had some uh, laryngitis. Like her, mm. her voice was really bothering her. So she was present for the first part of the meeting um, where she presented some gifts to Mary Ronstadt and outgoing council president Kate McAllister, uh, both of whom are no longer going to be with the city. Um, Kate, of course, stepped down from her position in order to run for mayor. Mm. And that was after one full term mm-hmm. as a council member. And of course, you know she didn't win that election, so now she's she's off the council. Um, Shelby decided not to run for a third term, so that that ends eight years of him as the mayor, and really fourteen years of service. Um, he started out on the planning and zoning commission, and then served on the council, and then mayor. So it's unclear if he's going to come back to the city at any point. Um, he's got a lot of other things going on right now. Um, I know he's working with some like investment capital for real estate development going forward. So it's hard to hard to imagine that he might come back, but you never know. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, th- there was a lot of a lot of emotions in the room, according to Ben, and you know, even watching it on Zoom, you could sort of tell just looking at body language that some folks were very excited about what was going on, and some folks were a little and some trepidation <laughs> about what was happening, because Jeremy Grimm and Pam Duquette and Kyle Schreiber especially really ran their campaigns in November as sort of reform almost candidates tapping into a lot of the frustration that I think has been felt throughout the community regarding a lot of decisions and, you know, some directions the city has taken. Some people feel like a lot of people feel like the city's gone too fast on a lot of things and too slow on some other things, Mm -hmm. which is always the case, you know, with any city government. But, um, I think what, what a lot of people, including Jeremy Grimm and, you know, Duquette and Schreiber would want to see is the comprehensive plan has been, they feel like been slow played, and that's to our detriment. So they wanted to dial back some of the comp- sort of the master planning, sort of design, conceptual visioning sort of things and get down to the comp plan, which, of course, is supposed to be updated every 10 years. Uh, but we're still operating on the one that we had in 2009. Mm-hmm. So that's much, much overdue. Mm-hmm. So I think that there, there's, there's yeah, a realignment. And, and that process was underway when COVID hit. Right. They started it up in 2019, which would have been the 10-year mark for updating it. And they were ongoing with that process, and then COVID happened, and they had to put a pin in it for two years. Mm-hmm. It, which really, because COVID really squelched uh, the opportunity for public comment and workshops and that sort of thing. Yeah, and that you know that, that's one argument. Um, but I think if you talk to Grimm, Duquette, and Schreiber, they might counter that. Well, go okay. I mean, if there wasn't enough time for public comment on the comp plan during that time, why was there enough time for public comment on the multimodal transportation mm-hmm. master plan, mm-hmm. the parks and rec master plan? All these other master plans. plans. Right. Yeah, we got a lot of plans now. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the city hall has always said, you know, we, we reached out, we did all this public feedback mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah during COVID. And, you know, this is, you know, it, it worked. These plans are approved. They had public feedback. And then people like Grimm, Duquette, and Schreiber would be like, well, wait a minute. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't make that argument for these master plans uh, and then not make it for the comp plan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which they would argue the comp plan is the foundational document. So mm-hmm. why would you have master plans before you have a foundational document? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, I think you, there was a real mood and sea change at council with those those new council members seated. Um, Deb Rule, who is was an incumbent, she was reelected in November. She wasn't present at that meeting. Um, we don't know why. Probably vacation, holiday related. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's who knows. Um, so that that's two new council members and one returning council member. And one of the things they did at that meeting was elect a president, a council president, and that's going to be Jason Welker. Um, Pam Duquette sort of has, took some issue with that at the meeting, um, asking why they didn't go in order of seniority, which would be Deb rule. Mm-hmm. I think this is her third full term. She's beginning her third full term. So she's been on the council for a very long time. Mm-hmm. She was appointed in 2014. So she had a little, like maybe a year tacked on there too, mm-hmm. but that's the second time she's been sort of passed up for city council president. Um, both times, Joel Aspiro, councilor Aspiro made the motion to appoint first Kate McAllister and now Jason Welker. You can read into that whatever politics you want. I don't really know. Um, But I think that Councilor Welker will be a really good person to fill that role. I I think he's got a lot of the policy chops and he's definitely got a lot of the sort of data wonkiness that's Mm -hmm. necessary for that job. And he's not willing, he's not afraid to push back on stuff and he's not afraid to advocate for things. So I think he'll be a strong council president and it's going to be necessary with these new folks coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because with, with Shelby as mayor for two terms, I mean, they were a pretty well-oiled machine, like the process of their meetings and 
their sort of interpersonal relationships were all very well dialed in. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about that meeting was, you know, Jeremy Grimm, he's been with the city for a long time. He was a planner from 2017 to 2015. He's no stranger to City Hall, but it was interesting to watch him in the mayor's seat because um, he's never done that before. And it was interesting to see a, a new mayor because I, I haven't had a new mayor that I've covered since I moved back here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's getting his legs under him, and I think they all are. Uh, but having having a sort of a experienced city council president will be helpful. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we're sort of charting new territory without a city administrator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which it, Councilman Joel Aspiro, uh, I believe, made a mo- – or actually, I think he just inquired to legal counsel uh, – what the process would be as far as filling that in the future and that they're going to put that agenda uh, on the agenda for the 17th or something. They're going to put a discussion on the agenda for the 17th. It's unclear. And I don't know this because I mean, we didn't have a city administrator up until 2015. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, we, we do know how the city functions without one, Mm -hmm. but we've had one for eight years. And during those eight years, the way the city operates has been fundamentally altered and it's difficult to foresee how you unwind that after eight years because major changes were made. I mean, we got rid of department heads. Um, you know, the workflow for various officials was changed. Um, and for, for a lot of those eight years, you know, the buck stopped with the city administrator. Mm-hmm. And w- when you remove that, um, I mean, I, it, again, it's hard to say how you, how you revert back to something. Um, so I think some of the council members – Seemed definitely Joel Aspiro and I think Jason Welker who supported that idea, and probably Justin Dick as well, Councillor Dick. Um, I feel like they all would probably like to see that position filled again um, because it has provided so much institutional support, and really, I mean, it's in the name, administrative support. That mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think they want to see that go away. So obviously, they're pushing for that. Obviously, Mayor Graham. And councilors Duquette and Schreiber have expressed that they don't want to see that filled. So I think we're in for a pretty mm-hmm. interesting I, I, discussion. I don't know where Deb Rule stands. On She's it. been pretty cagey about it, mm-hmm. even during the candidates' forums. You know, when this issue came up directly, she sort of said, "Well, I mean, it depends on who's in the job, and it depends on you know if if we feel like the conditions are necessary for that position." So I don't know. I mean, she's going to be the swing, really, is what mm-hmm. it comes down to. And it's also unclear how much power the council has to sort of fill that position. I mean, as longtime clerk, former clerk, Helen Newton testified at the beginning of that meeting during the public forum section. I didn't get this into the article because I figured it would probably come up later. Um, she pointed out that, you know, it's the mayor who who's really in charge of filling some of these jobs and it's the council's job to like approve them, mm-hmm. to confirm them, not necessarily to hire them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's an interesting dynamic right there right. Uh, because the council could, by majority, say, "Yeah, we want the position," and uh, the mayor could just say, "Well, I'm go- the position's there, but I'm not going to hire someone." Right? Um, I, I, who knows how that shakes out exactly? Yeah, and yeah. I think that's going to become the conversation starting on the 17th. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't want to get into it in this piece because I just I felt like there, there was much longer legs to that mm-hmm. yeah. to that debate, and I think we're going to start having it pretty soon. And yeah, I think that had a lot to do with some of the mood, the conflicted mood in the room. Um, you know, obviously people were excited to be sworn in. Uh, Councillor Duquette did have some hard feelings that she expressed right after she was put on the dais. Uh, and that had to do with the order of the agenda, which was kind of a strange little hiccup that occurred. Even before the meeting, I started getting phone calls and hearing scuttlebutt, you know, that people were unhappy with the way the agenda had been ordered. 
And originally, that January 3rd meeting was supposed to begin, you know, as it normally does with, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance and the announcements and all that kind of thing. And then it was going to move directly into old business. And the old business on the agenda was, uh, you know, establishing an endowment fund for the James E. Russell Sports Center, sort of using some excess interest earnings from the gift from the Russell family to pay for maintenance and all that stuff. And the other one was uh, talking about the Travers Park Playground and sort of adopting the design schematics and then giving the green light to go ahead with getting the construction documents together and start moving on that project. And those are two hot-button sort of topics for the community and have been for months and months. <laughs> and, and so people looked at the, uh, the agenda and said, well, wait a minute, this is old business. And they look at the next items, and then it's the swearing-in of the new council and mayor. So people put two and two together and said, well, the council that shouldn't actually exist anymore and the mayor who isn't really the mayor anymore are going to be voting on these items. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to swear in our new people. That isn't right. Like we need to move the swearing in to the beginning of the meeting so that the new council and mayor can vote on these things. And, you know, there there was probably a lot of back channel bickering and, you know, people being angry about that. Well, it didn't come to that in the meeting. So councilor Welker uh, made a motion very, very much at the top. Um, or not a motion, but during the announcements, he, he requested that they alter that agenda and move the swearing into the beginning. So mm-hmm. it could have been kind of a controversy, but it was averted mm-hmm. at the last minute. Though, you know, Councillor Duquette expressed that she felt disrespected that that had even sort of been contemplated, that, you know, people who, who were technically no longer in service of the city would be voting on these things mm-hmm. right before the new people got a chance to, to weigh in. But then... <laughs> After that, uh, you know, she also expressed some concern that she hadn't been prepared to vote on those things because it was under old business. So they ended up tabling one of the items, the James E. Russell endowment thing, and almost tabled the other one until some city staff like Maeve Nevins-Lauter, you know, the parks planning director, and Councillor Dick and Welker uh, both pointed out, it was like, well, you know, if we keep delaying this, we're going to be pushing this project out even further until we can't get it done till next winter, you know, 2025. So they ended up rescinding that motion to, to table it. And they, and they did vote on that one. I didn't get a chance to cover it. I was going to come back to it mm-hmm. in the coming week. And, did, and they approved it. They, they, yeah, they, it. they approved it. They approved mm-hmm. the design schematics and gave the go ahead to start going out for procurement for equipment and get the construction documents together to get, you know, some, some contractors mm-hmm. So the idea is the to city get that. had some surveys out on right. soliciting public opinion on some ideas for that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they think they had they reported at that meeting they had about two hundred and seventy responses. Mm-hmm. They went out to the local school kids at a bunch of the elementary schools and asked them what they thought about you know their ideal park or dream playground, I guess is what mm-hmm. it was. And so they incorporated a lot of those ideas into the new design schematics. So they you know they talked a great deal about you know the robust public engagement they've had with it. Um, you know, but still there was some pushback from Duquette and Schreiber that, you know, still wasn't enough and we needed to bring this back again to the public. Um, they hadn't had a chance to really dig into the details of it, so they didn't feel super confident voting on it, though they still did. Um, so, I mean, that, that is still there, like that whole notion that we're still going too fast is still Mm -hmm. there. But in this case, that part is going forward. And I think there is still more tweaking to be done with the design and, one of the other complaints that they had or maybe opposition <clears throat> points that they had with going forward with it was that the consultant and uh, Mae both said, it's like, well, you know, we haven't actually rolled all this public feedback into our 
planning yet. Mm-hmm. So the argument came up like, well, I mean, why are we voting to approve this if we haven't even incorporated the public comment into it yet? So anyway, I mean, it's just, it's kind of setting the stage, I think, for a lot of what we're going to see going forward is, you know, two counselors, maybe three, um, feeling very much like we need to pump the brakes and three counselors who have a lot more experience saying like, look, we've already talked about this. We've already done our due diligence. We need to move forward. And then we're going to have Mayor Grimm in the middle you know, sort of acting as referee <clears throat> and he's already sort of expressed that he's going to fall on the side of the, you know, Duquette and Schreiber. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to have a lot more interesting politics perhaps mm-hmm. at, at city hall going forward. Hopefully not as interesting as the County. No, 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 we don't, we don't need more interesting politics like that anywhere. Yeah. So, and it was, wasn't your beat, but uh, the reader did have a story this week that, uh, that, the commissioners are going to compel legal counsel to be attending their commission meetings. But I guess I kind of figured that was already happening. Apparently not. Well, I think from what I could gather, looking back over the past months, eight, well, yeah, it's been almost a year, I guess. Um, Yeah. A year, (laughs) the acrimony that has sort of developed between certain members of the board of commissioners and the legal Council has gotten to the point where legal counsel doesn't want to be there. Um, I think sometimes it feels like a waste of time, you know, at these meetings, because as they have gone in the past, uh, you know, you could have an hour, an hour plus of just public comment before they even got to the agenda. <laughs> and it's really hard, I think, sometimes to justify why you have, you know, a well-paid lawyer sitting around listening to people you know, mm-hmm. saying whatever's on their mind, you know, mm-hmm. that, that probably doesn't have anything to do with why the legal counsel would be there. Mm-hmm. So there's that argument to be had. Um, and I think they sort of tried to address that issue by changing the order of the agenda a couple of weeks back to move that public comment portion further back in the meeting so they can get straight to business, you know, at least quicker, if not straight to business. So that was one thing. And I think there's just, there's a lot of politics. I mean, there are there are active lawsuits against the county from a member of the county's legal team. Um, there's yeah, deputy prosecutor Scott Bauer is currently suing the commissioners yes. for three point five million. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a lot of accusations and counter accusations thrown back and forth, um, you know, among various parties, including the legal department, um, about who has or hasn't done their job correctly in regards to things like the fairgrounds fraud investigation. Uh, you you name it, uh, <laughs> auditing, uh, basically everything that, that has happened over the past year. Someone has been mad at someone, and legal has been in the middle of a lot of it. So I think that they sort of stopped coming to those meetings, in part because it was, it was deemed not a best use of their time and tax dollars, you know, to pay them to be there, but also because of just you know the sheer politics and maybe the personalities even um, that have been on display. But now this this idea that they're going to be compelled to be there, I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Um, if there's going to be a challenge to that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Commissioner Bradshaw, I believe it was, says, uh, you know, if Lewis Marshall, the prosecutor, doesn't like the code, then I suggest he rally the people of the state and change the legislature. <laughs> so <laughs> he's kind of like deploying the power of state government to compel mm-hmm. him, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be an interesting thing to go forward. And, of course, we have the continual battle of the wills between Commissioner Williams and Commissioners Bradshaw and Ahmed over whose motions get heard, whose agenda items get 
you know, addressed. How public comment is handled. Yeah, mm -hmm. how public records are handled. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, we're definitely entering the new year much as we uh, endured the last year. And, huh? and it is a, uh, an election year too. I, I, any of these commissioners up for election? What? I think both those seats held by commissioners Bradshaw, Bradshaw Amit and Ahmed are up. Yeah, because yeah. Luke Ahmed came in with a two-year term, right. I believe. Right. Yep. And Commissioner Bradshaw is finishing a four-year. Finishing a four-year term, right. Mm -hmm. um, and so that will probably bear on some of the things that come down here the next I mean, uh, I think there's already year. someone who's filed, or at least in, they haven't filed yet because that doesn't happen until March, but... Um, Someone has already indicated that they want to run for that seat held by Commissioner Bradshaw. Mm -hmm. I think it was David Riley. That's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I saw that story in the reader. Yeah. yeah. Have either um, Bradshaw or Amit indicated that they're going to seek another term? Uh, I don't feel like I've had that conversation no. with either of them. Mm -hmm. um, I would be a little bit surprised mm -hmm. if Commissioner Amit didn't run again. Uh, he's... Yeah. I don't know if he's announced it, but I'm pretty sure he's running. Yeah, it, it, it would really surprise me if he if he backed away at this mm -hmm. point, because I feel like he's got a lot of dogs and a lot of fights, and mm -hmm. I think he really wants to see some of these things concluded. Uh, but that said, we also know full well how the Bonner County Republican Central Committee feels about him and Commissioner Bradshaw, both of whom the B, uh, BCRCC tried to censure last year. Um, that censure vote didn't pass, but I think that indicates there's if and when Commissioner Ahmet declares that he wants to run again, he's going to have some opponents, mm -hmm. if not, you know, oh, oh. definitely one opponent for sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll see opponents for yeah. almost any. It's going to be a contested races probably across the board. It will be one of the spicier uh, GOP primaries in recent memory. And that's saying something. You know? <laughs> that is saying On every level, really, yeah. from the legislature down to the county. Um, well, one, this is, this is going back to the city business, but I just was looking at the, the last paragraph of your story mentions the, um, the standpoint, the joint powers, the Selkirk Fire Joint Powers Agreement Board, which uh, you covered in great detail, oh, I don't know, in October, I believe. Uh, right. The Jennifer Stapleton now has resigned from her position, so uh, it looks like... Uh, was it Jason? Jason, I believe. Well, gonna... yeah. So this didn't get in because they have to decide this. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So with with Jennifer Stapleton now gone, she was serving as the executive director mm -hmm. of the JPA, and that was a major point of contention, and uh, you know a a big piece of or a big part of that piece that that I wrote uh, talking to Selkirk Fire mm -hmm. is that they didn't want her there anymore, feeling like her management uh, had not been conducive to the smooth functioning or even safe functioning of the department. Mm -hmm. Um, so now that she's gone from the city, she's gone from that position as well. And they don't really know how to fill it. Um, they did address that. Jeremy Grimm, the mayor, um, he expressed that he would be willing to sort of slide into that position. They didn't confirm that at the meeting, as far as I could tell. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be something to come up later. However, they did fill the, the position. So council has a, a seat on that board and an alternate. And uh, Kyle Schreiber was sort of like trial by fire, I think is how... Councilor Respiro put it, uh, nominated Kyle Schreiber to be the city's representative on the JPA board. Mm -hmm. And Kyle Schreiber, he said, yeah, sure. And they mm -hmm. voted him in. And then as an alternate, Jason Welker will, will serve. So if I see. if yeah. Kyle Schreiber can't be at one of those meetings or whatever, then it'll be Councilor Welker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to see what transpires with that because the, the Selkirk Fire District includes both Sagal and Sandpoint. And there's been... And Dover of, as well. And Dover, right. Yeah. There's been talk about 
you know, separating them again. Um, There's been a lot of talk about a lot of things, including the contract negotiations are coming up in March. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't ignore that factor in, you know, some of the, some of the noise that was made late last year about the leadership on the board. Mm -hmm. So I think those contract negotiations are going to play out a lot differently than they maybe would have, you know, if things hadn't transpired the way they did with, you know, the election in November and with Jennifer Stapleton's decision to resign. And if Kyle Schreiber's on that board, I mean, I don't know what, what his leadership style is going to be like. He's brand new. And again, it was sort of a trial by fire situation where they, they all kind of chuckled about it. It's like, well, here you are on city council. Now go do this other thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But such is the life of a council member. <laughs> uh, I, I'll throw a shout out while we're still yeah. on the city, or touching on the city stuff. Um, we will be interviewing uh, Jennifer Stapleton on Wednesday kind of a, mm-hmm. a uh, bon voyage sort of uh, interview, I guess you could say. Um, and uh, also we're going to be talking with the two new counselors, uh, Schreiber and Duquette. So if you want to hear more from them, they'll be live in the studio on Wednesday on the morning show. Wow. That's January 10th. Um, and also worth mentioning on last Wednesday's show, just a couple days ago, uh, you, Chris, got all three of the uh, of our local delegation to Boise. You got Scott Herndon, Mark Souter, and Sage Dixon to sit down for individual one-on-one interviews about the upcoming term, which again mm. starts on Monday, mm-hmm. January 8th. Yeah, I, I we, applaud you on that. That's very good. <laughs> all three? I can, I, can only, I can usually only get two. Uh, I, and they all um, they all had different takes on what they think are going to be big mm. things coming. You know, there's obviously a lot of things that are pretty predictable, like, you know, we're going to be talking about education funding. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but they also identified different things that they thought were going to be um, big things that the uh, legislature is going to have to deal with. So if you want to hear those, you can go to our website, krfy.org, and you can listen to the individual interviews there. They run around 18 minutes each. Um, and there you go. Um, and now we're at our 8.30 witching hour here, Jack. That's right. Um, I think... I, I guess we've done it. That's the news for the, the week. The news, there's, there's mm-hmm. all, all kinds of stuff that did go on, other stories mm-hmm. that could be uh, mentioned, but mm-hmm. I think we touched on the big ones with the city and the county. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess with that, we'll say stay tuned for Auto's Eclectic Mix because mm-hmm. you're listening to Panhandle Community Radio. Um, and thank you very much, Zach. Thank the, you. The Sandpoint Reader is on newsstands now with uh, a. It looks like you've got some predictions as well for what's uh, coming up in 2024. So bold predictions, as they are some, uh-huh. some bolder than others, but <laughs> some very bold. Hey, I'd like to Sonstri uh, uh, predicting there's going to be earthquakes. So oh right. boy! <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, uh, maybe figuratively and uh, you know you know physically. Definitely <laughs> figuratively. I think that's probably a fair. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we'll we'll continue now with uh, our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks again, and uh, tune in next week for more news. Yeah, thanks for listening.